Blog Talk Radio. Hey, and we're back. It's another episode of the official podcast for RedbirdRants.com, fan-sided's blog dedicated to all things St. Louis Cardinals. My name is Brendan Vogt, and I'll be your host this evening, and I'm joined by two of my favorite Redbird Rants contributors, Josh McDonald and Nate Grime. Gentlemen, what's going on? Nothing much. Not much, well. but I, that, that, was a great, that was a great introduction. Yeah, I'm feeling it, it Makes me feel I'm good about it. myself. <laughs> I'm just excited because the Cardinals just won a couple games there, back to back, guys. That's that's where I'm at. Yeah, against a team that's not the Phillies, too. Exactly. That's, that's always exactly. a nice feeling. Exactly. Well, let's just start there, guys. Let's start with this Arizona Diamondback series. Uh, good ball club, 50 win ball club, much better than the Cardinals. I was not expecting much success in this series, and yet they take two out of three. They're one rough outing from O away from a sweep. The cards are six of four out of, in their last 10, and granted they're eight and a half back from the wild card, but they're only three games out of first place. Uh, Nathan, let's start with you. Take away from the Cardinals' performance in this Diamondback series. Yeah, well, as you said, um, I don't think we were necessarily expecting the Cardinals to finally get a series win against a team like Arizona, especially on the road. I mean, the Diamondbacks are one of the best teams, you know, in the National League and in the entire Major League Baseball this season. And at the same time, you know, it's kind of a shame we're not talking tonight about a sweep that the Cardinals had because, you know, blown blown save away from getting a three-game sweep. That would have been really nice. But, you know, it's a step in the right direction for the Cardinals. A series win. This is the first time they've won a series against a team that's not the Phillies since the middle of May when they beat the Chicago Cubs you know, at, at Bush Stadium at a weekend series. So, you know, we'll see. Um, I don't think, you know, I think it's a little too early to say the Cardinals have, you know, found, found a stride and hit a groove because, as we saw, they still have their struggles. You know, the bullpen still needs to be figured out. Starting pitching hasn't been as dominant as recent, although that's, you know, quieted down a little bit. Um, and then the offense uh, came to play in Arizona. Arizona is a hitter's park, of course, so we always have to put that asterisk next to the offensive performance, it seems. But um, it's good to see Randall Gritchick hitting. I think he certainly stood out in the series for the Cardinals. Um, Carlos Martinez stood out in game one. Um, another no decision despite a really good outing for him. And then the bullpen struggles, as you mentioned. So those are all takeaways from from this series and things to watch moving forward as we have a nice 10-game homestand here before the All-Star break. Yeah, Randall Gritchick back from Memphis and tearing it up as most Cardinals seem to do once they come back from Memphis. It's getting to the point where they might want to consider just sending the whole team down for a week. But, Josh, what did you <laughs> see in that Diamondback series, dude? Well, I cannot be any more excited about what Randall Gritchick's doing. I, I've said countless times on the podcast how, how much of a Gritchick apologist I am, and I was so happy to see him do well. And I know there are a few, even uh, – a few in our Redbird Ranch crew that are 
not wanting to see him do well because they're tired of him. But I think that he's kind of proven a little bit that he can be a successful hitter. It's a very, very small sample size, but he's taken two, two walks. He's been walked intentionally. He's doing more than just hitting home runs. I mean, the guy's out there and he's, he's playing hard right now and that's good to see. Um, but I am a little concerned about this weekend because I, you, you and I both know that the Cardinals seem to have patterns and whenever they put up a monstrous number on a team, the bats seem to disappear. If the bats disappear against the nationals, we're going to have a problem because the nationals are not a team you can, you can make those kind of mistakes with, even though they did lose uh, Trey Turner for uh, an unforeseen amount of time with a broken wrist today. Uh, that's that's something that we have to watch for. But it's exciting to see them win two out of three. It's You want to be a little selfish and think, man, they should have swept because realistically they should have. But for them to go into, into Arizona and take two out of three from a team that has won 13 more games than them to this point, it's, it's a pretty promising sight just with after the roster moves. Maybe this team's got a little bit of life in them. A little bit of life, indeed, and I'll circle back to your bullpen point, but I do want to hop on your Randall, Randall Gritchick point. I'm with you, man. I'm an apologist. I want to see him do well. I also think it's important to see him do well because the upside there is a guy with probably more pop than anyone else on this Cardinals team and a guy who, at, look, at this point, it's a big if, but if he's playing well, sort of fills that role as a big bat in that lineup that you know the Cardinals seem so desperate for right now. So, yeah, agreed. It's nice to see him playing well. But the bullpen, like we said multiple times now, um, another rough series for the bullpen. Game one, O blows. I believe that was his third blown save of the year. Um, and without that blown save, we're talking about a sweep, guys. So I I agree with Josh. You can't survive those types of mistakes against a better team like maybe the Nationals coming up here. So with that in mind, do you guys think any changes need to be made right now to this relief core internally in terms of shuffling around the roles? I, I think it's yeah. I, I think that needs to be talked about. Um, we we kind of even saw that in the second game. Trevor Rosenthal was uh, given the ninth inning assignment, but that's not really the change I would be looking for because Rosenthal has struggled just as much lately, if not if not more than Sunwan O. So you know, just flip flopping O and Rosenthal, I don't think would make too much of a difference um, as far as you, you know the. The, the end result, because if, if O's blowing saves in the ninth, then, you know, why, why, why would you have confidence in him to hold a lead in the eighth? And if uh, Rosenthal is shaking the eighth, then why would you have confidence to have him hold a lead in the ninth? Uh, the Cardinals have some good um, kind of middle-of-the-road relievers, if you will, who haven't got a lot of attention, but who are in the, uh, in the major league bullpen. Um, John Brebia, Sam Tui Valala, Tyler Lyons, uh, those types of guys. And those are guys we haven't really seen get very, um, you know, very significant late-inning roles this season or in their careers um, in the previous years with St. Louis. Um, I would watch for that perhaps to change moving forward, especially if if O and Rosenthal um, continue to struggle in the late innings. Josh, do you think those names – sorry, go ahead, brother. You know, I I just have to agree with him a little bit – just to the points he was making, but I think the issue is it's a lot. It's, I think it's 50-50 bullpen and manager because 
I Mike Mike Matheny has yet to be able to prove that he can handle a bullpen, and for, just look at look at Mike Mayers. He got called. He always seems to have to have to have that extra bullpen piece, but he doesn't use it. Mike Mayers has been up for how many days and not used until now when he just overuses guys like Bowman and he can't put Mayers in. That's that's a problem. I just don't think that it matters where we put these guys because I don't think they're going to get used properly. That's a good point. What do you think about the names that Nathan tossed out, though? To me, those guys sound more like um, middle-leading – inning relievers or relievers with a more defined role, um, not so much the closer role. Do you think there's any other options internally besides Rosenthal and O? I don't think this team has anybody that I would trust outside of those two to, to go into the ninth inning, unfortunately. And I don't think they have anybody that is close to being that guy. Rosenthal is the most dominant with, his fastball and someone oh was was that guy last year but he seems to have lost his his out pitch which is unfortunate because he was incredible last year teams may have kind of figured him out a little bit get got the book on him a little but think that brevia or Tui have that one pitch that they're like okay we can go to that and they can shut a guy down i think that what we have right now is a middle of the road bullpen that tends to lean towards the below average side and we just have to deal with that because when you look at the triple a roster there's not a whole lot of options there either so the only way this bullpen is going to get better i think is their trade and that still remains to be seen if this team's going to do that yeah i think you make a, a good point josh the bullpen overall i would agree is not you know does not have a lot of arms that you would have confidence in high leverage situations but you know, trades aren't going to be made this week. I mean, maybe, you know, towards the deadline, um, the Cardinals will be in the market for a relief pitcher. I recently wrote a piece um, saying that, you know, if this team wants to improve, you're going to have to improve this bullpen. I mean, maybe they'll be in the market for a big bat, maybe even a rotation arm, although that's less likely. But, you know, if this team is going to compete, you know, through September for this division, they're going to have to improve the bullpen because the arms they have right now, regardless of what roles they're in, just just aren't enough. You know, they don't give you enough confidence. They don't give you, you know, enough high leverage innings, I don't think. Because, yeah, after Owen Rosenthal, you don't have a name that you can go to to say, you know, he's been there, he's done that, or, you know, he has the arsenal down middle of the lineups in the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. That being said, Brett Cecil has had, um, has had some success in the past month or so after his uh, really, really bad start <laughs> to his to his career with the Cardinals, but I don't think you want to move Brett Cecil. I mean, he's just getting comfortable now with that kind of seventh inning role or so, or facing left-handed batters still as well. So I don't think you want to yank him out of that role now that he's just started to settle in. I'm very no, glad I mean... you mentioned him. Um, I actually just wrote an article about him this past week, and no, that his stats don't lie. For Brett Cecil, he struggles in the first half, and once summer rolls around, he tends to heat up and he becomes a more effective pitcher, and we're starting to see that. The problem is he got paid $30.5 million, and that's sure not did. what you pay a guy to get that kind of, You don't get that kind of money for being a second-half pitcher, given he seems like he can be a dominant second-half pitcher, but 
if he can't figure out the first half, then the Cardinals are never going to get the full return on that money. I was going to say that we should do like a brief Cecil segment. And then I realized like, what, what else can you do but complain? I mean, he's not going anywhere. You gave him all that money. The dude's coming in in the seventh inning. All you can do right now is cross your fingers and hope he keeps trending upward. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's sitting right now. He's he's sitting right now at a 3.82 ERA. That's not good. But a month ago, he had a he had a on May 25th, he had a 5.06 ERA. After June 28th, he's got a 3.82. That is steadily right. going down and that's very promising to see. And to put that and in perspective, you, Trevor Rosenthal's earned an average is above four, so it's higher than Brett Cecil's at this point. Right, and I was just going to say, you know, perhaps we'd be noticing some of that newfound success a little more with a little more stability following him in that bullpen, right? If O and Rosenthal um, could get their stuff together, you know, we might be noticing the impact Cecil's made of late a little more. Uh, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to see if I the think that's goes. a really good point. Right, and we'll have to see, guys, if the Cardinals approach this deadline as buyers or sellers. We'll probably have a better sense of that after this uh, important 10-game homestand, which we'll talk about in a second. But let's wrap up this Diamondback series with our thoughts on Arizona. Last time I was hosting this pod, we talked about how surprised we were with the D-backs and the Rockies. The Rockies have cooled off a little bit, but the D-backs are a good baseball team. What did you guys see out of that three-game series? Uh, Are they legit? Are they playoff contenders? I think so. I think I mean, the Rockies, 20 games over 500. Yeah. I I have to agree they could be. The problem, what I saw, like when you pull up uh, the box scores from that game and you take a look and you see that Daniel Descalso had kind of a big part of that series, it's, that's not the kind of thing you expect to see with him starting. He was in left field, which is crazy to me. But I think that if they can get healthy – you're going to see them continue to go after it. Um, if A.J. Pollock could stay healthy and be near the top of that order, that's that's a pretty intense lineup with probably the best first baseman in the game. We saw him crush a bomb off of Lynn today. Um, this team's good. I think that if they want to go out and make a move for a pitcher, I think that that could help them in a lot of ways. But I think what you're going to see is potentially – three NL West teams coming into the playoffs this year. And another guy they've got on the disabled list is Yasmani Tomas. So that's also part of the reason you see Descalso out in the outfield. Um, you know, Pollock and Tomas, two outfielders that are fixtures in the middle of the Arizona lineup when healthy. So, yeah, this offense for the Diamondbacks, I think, can only get better once those guys return. I agree. They're in a good spot right now. And uh, I agree with Josh. You know, three playoff teams out of the West seems quite feasible. Do you guys think the Diamondbacks uh, will be buyers then at the deadline? Like Josh mentioned, maybe going out and getting another arm? Yeah, I think, I think they need an arm is probably on their radar, yep. If they can add, because add, when you look at their rotation, it doesn't seem uh, it doesn't seem like a playoff rotation because you, you start with Zach Greinke, that's great, but then you kind of go into, like, the Taiwan Walkers, but I think a guy who doesn't get a near enough respect that we got lucky and didn't have to see was Robbie Ray. He has really turned it on this year, and he he has become quite the pitcher for that team. Agreed. Nate, what do you think, brother? Yeah, I think the back end of the rotation could maybe use a little bit of a boost. You've got Granke and Ray 
who I think would be your one and two starters in uh, any playoff series. And then, and then, you know, you, you have some starting pitchers. I mean, they've, they've been healthy in the rotation. That's one thing. But then if you're looking for a dominant starting pitcher, you know, if Arizona wants to get past that first round or the wild card round, because that's what they're sitting in right now with the Dodgers dominant in the division. Um, you know, if they want to get past that wild card game with an ace type like Granke and set themselves up for a good division series, uh, a rotation arm would be beneficial, and that's uh, where we could talk about a guy who started today for the Cardinals, like Lance Flint. Um, we've talked about him multiple times on the podcast as perhaps a trade piece. Um, maybe maybe the Diamondbacks had a couple extra eyes on Lynn today pitching against them. Um, you know, we don't know, but perhaps that'll be a discussion uh, to have in the next month if Lynn's name, uh, you know, pops up as a trade yeah, option for a team like the Diamondbacks. That's an interesting one, Nate, because – you know, Lynn's a guy who has a propensity to win games. He'll give you six quality innings. He may he may not cost as much, right, as other household names or big arms. So that might be the perfect kind of guy for Arizona to target. Our site co-editor, Tito Rivera, is listening. He wanted us to shout out. What about, uh, you know, maybe they're a dark horse for Quintana, which is an interesting, interesting thought. I'm not sure what it would take for them to give up to get him, but that would be a, a really fun destination. Yeah, that would give them two really good lefties in that rotation, too, because Robbie Ray, as Josh mentioned, having a great year. That would be a pretty pretty uh, lethal rotation, I think, with Granke, Ray, and Quintana, your one, two, and three. Yeah, definitely. We'll have to see. It's a fun fun ball club. Um, I'm sure they'll get better once uh, Tomas and Pollock come back. Guys, we're going to get talking about this important 10-game home stand here coming up. Cardinals are hosting the Nationals, the Marlins, and the Mets. But before we do, we're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere because you're listening to the Redbird Rants official podcast. And we're back. Gentlemen, before the break, we mentioned that we were going to talk about this 10-game homestand. Let's do it. The Cardinals are only three games out of first place, and they got some really important games coming up. Obviously, the Nationals are going to be a tough series, but the Marlins and the Mets are struggling right now. And those are the types of games, the types of series where a team in the Cardinals position, they need to win those games. So we got our eyes on these games. They're going to tell us a lot about where this team stands headed into the break. Uh, Nathan, are you feeling confident headed into this stretch? Um, I don't know if confident is necessarily the right term. Like I said, um, coming off of the series win against Arizona is definitely good, but uh, to see a a stretch of more prolonged success would make me feel more confident. So this would be a good time to have that stretch of success. Um, I'm a little more optimistic at this point, you know, than perhaps a week ago. Um, the Nationals will be a tall task. The Cardinals lost two of three to the Nationals on the road in April, um, second week of the season. So, the you know, that both teams are somewhat different at this point two months later. But, yeah, the Nationals uh, leading the National League East, by a wide margin at this point. Uh, the Cardinals will have to face Tanner Roark tomorrow night, who's um, had an up-and-down year. A beatable starter, I think, with Mike Leak on the mound is, uh, is you know, a, a matchup that's tips favorable to the Cardinals tomorrow night. But then you've got Gio Gonzalez going on Saturday night, who beat the Cardinals in April. And then Max Scherzer matches up with Carlos Martinez on Sunday night baseball. That'll be a really fun matchup. Uh, remember, the Cardinals actually beat Max Scherzer with Mike Leak on the mound uh, back in April. So the pitching matchups are something to watch. Definitely Washington's got a 
a good pitching rotation, and of course has a very good offense. Um, first place team, you know, they're going to have good pitching and a good offense. They've, uh, you know, they're not in first place by accident. They've got a good all around, all around team. We'll see if the Cardinals can, you know, win two out of three like they did against Arizona. I think that would be a benchmark to set. Josh, where are you at confidence wise with this national series? You know, I don't want to get my hopes up because this team this year has had the propensity to let you down a little bit. But after being able to hold their own in Arizona, coming home, maybe there's a little bit more excitement with the fans, get the guys going a little bit. I think that we're in a position, if we take two out of three, that's a big-time win for us because Tanner Rourke, has a 5.15 ERA. If we can't take advantage of that, we're going to struggle the rest of the weekend. But I'm very excited for the Sunday matchup between Scherzer and Carlos Martinez because that matchup is two of the best pitchers in the NL going head-to-head on Sunday night baseball. That's that's a great, great game to watch. Um, if, the, if the Cardinals take two out of three, I'm going to feel very good going forward. If they win one, the Nationals are a very, very good team. This isn't a team that you're just going to pull one over on. They have a lot of weapons, even though they lost one today. Um, but I think what's a little different with the Nationals this year is you can't just walk Harper anymore because Ryan Zimmerman is having an MVP caliber season right now. Last year you could walk Harper because Ryan Zimmerman couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Now they have – Harper batting 319, followed by Zimmerman batting 338, followed by Murphy batting 339, and Rendon batting 299. That is dangerous. If the if the it, starters can put up numbers, that's great. I think our bullpen is the one to watch this weekend. That's a really good point, Josh. Zimmerman's out of his mind right now. And beyond that, the Nationals are a good road team. They're 25 and 15 on the road. That's actually a better record than their home record, uh, as good as anyone in the national league. So yeah, this one's going to be tough guys, tough pitching matchups. I'm look, I'm hoping they can, they can just take one out of three here. I'll be ecstatic with two. The Marlins series will look a little different. The Marlins are a much worse road team, 14 and 21 on the road thus far this year, seven games below 500, five and five in their last 10. That, like I said earlier, guys, that's the type of series where if the Cardinals are a wild card team, like we want them to be, they got to win that one, right? They got to take at least two out of three. Do you think they're ready to do so, Josh? If this, if this team can't beat the Marlins, I feel like we sh- that it'll definitely give us an idea that it's time to sell. These next ten games are going to be unbelievably important, and I think they decide which way this team goes. But the Marlins, outside of some solid bats in Yelich, Ozuna, and Stanton, and JT Realmuto and Justin Bohr. They don't have much pitching to speak of. They Their highlight this year is Edison Volquez tossing a no-hitter, but outside of that, they don't really have much to speak of when it comes to pitching. So that's the type of game you want. You, you really think the bats can take advantage of. And if they don't, there's there's that's gonna be some problems. That's one that I expect them to take two out of three. If they don't take two out of three, I'm gonna be very disappointed. Agreed. Nathan, what do you feel yeah, about think, that Marlins series? Sure, I think Josh makes a good point about um you know, we against the Nationals, you know, you don't 
necessarily expect the Cardinals to win the series, but I do think the series against the Marlins and then the Mets afterwards will be a little bit more telling as to what direction this team is going to go following the all-star break as far as, you know, putting all hands on deck and trying to go for the division and getting back in the wild card race even, um, or just staying mediocre, staying slightly under 500. Yes, it would be nice to see the Cardinals do well against a good team like the Nationals, but they've got to get the job done against the Marlins for four games and the Mets for three games. If they can, you know, win maybe five of seven or something like that, be in a pretty good spot. They're only three and a half out of the division right now. Um, who knows what will happen after that if if they can get the job done against the Marlins and the Mets. Agreed. At some point in this homestand, gentlemen, we should expect to see the returns of Dexter Fowler and or Colton Wong, and we're going to have some positional battles on our hand. Uh, let's start in the outfield because that's, that's really what we saw going on last night with Randall Gritchick and Tommy Pham both playing well. Uh, we have too many outfielders playing well. That's a good problem to have, but it's a problem nonetheless. Josh, what do you want to happen when Dexter Fowler returns to this lineup? This this is a problem that has kind of confounded me a little bit because I wrote an article about this the issues that the Cardinals are going to have when Fowler and Wong come off the DL. Um, at the time, you know, I, I think I still stand by it. Jose Martinez seems like he's the odd man out because with Luke Voigt up, he doesn't have the option of playing any first base to spell Matt Carpenter. And Tommy Pham has done far too well to be sent down. Randall Gritchick just got back and he's hitting, so they're not getting rid of him. And Steve Piscotti and Dexter Fowler are almost guaranteed starting spots. You could spell Fowler a little bit because he's coming off the DL, which would give you an excuse to play Pham and Gritchick together. But it just seems like Jose Martinez is going to be the odd man out unless this team is willing to have started Luke Voigt's clock and just send him down already so that they can have Jose Martinez's bat in the lineup playing first on occasion. Nathan, what do you, you know, what do you expect to happen when Fowler returns? You know, I think as long as he's completely healthy, he'll be in the starting lineup because he was really starting to turn it up at the plate before he landed on the disabled list. But Randall Gritchick and Tommy Pham have also been hitting well, you know, as Josh mentioned. Um, you know, I don't want to see Tommy Pham out of the lineup because he's been doing this now for a couple of months ever since he got called up. It just seems like he hasn't stopped hitting, stops playing hard. Uh, he plays smart baseball on a team that too often makes, uh, you know, the, the base running and defensive mistakes that you don't expect a major league team to make. Um, we've seen that, you know, throughout the season. And then Randall Gritchick, you know, you don't want him out of the lineup when you know that he can hit the way he hits today, especially, you know, big three-run home run. He's got that clutch, you know, that clutch factor today, and then five runs driven in um, out of the two-hole. I mean, that's 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 a guy you want in that lineup, you know, in the middle of your lineup. Um, and then Steven Piscotti, he's been the team's number three hitter, but he hasn't, you know, really hit like a prototypical number three hitter. You know, he hasn't had a terrible season. He had a really slow start. Um, went on the disabled list. You know, he had that leave of absence because of the uh, the family issue. But, you know, since then, he's quietly put together a decent year. I mean, he hasn't hit for the power. He hasn't, um, you know, driven in, you know, runs at a really, really high rate either. But, you know, he's hitting around 250 or so. He's, uh, you know, he's getting on base at a good pace. But 
you know, frankly, if you're if you're going to go with the method of hot hand, I think Pascotti's the odd man out of the starting lineup when Fowler returns. Um, you know, you could get creative with, you know, shuffling those four guys in and out without having one of them, you know, sitting too often. But as far as the roster is concerned, yeah, I think it comes down to either Jose Martinez or, or Luke Voigt. And you're going to have to look at it as, you know, who gives you a better option as backup first baseman because both of them, you know, can play first base. Uh, I think Voigt's more comfortable over there than Martinez is. And then who gives you a better option, you know, as a pinch hitter off the bench? Because, you know, I think they – You'd like to see both of them as pinch hit options off the bench, but it doesn't seem like the Cardinals have room for five outfielders, uh, three first basemen on the roster. Um, and that's what you would have with both Martinez and Voigt on your bench. I, I would like to see Voigt stay up. He's hitting well. And I like that what you mentioned, his comfort at first base. I think that backup first base spot is important. Um and Piscotty, you know, that's interesting. He, right, he's not actually playing that well, but he's Stephen Piscotty. He got the contract. He, you got to start him, right? They're not going to not start him, you'd think. So it'll be an interesting yeah. situation. You wouldn't think they'd yeah. give up on him as far as a starter in year one. But, you know, maybe for a couple of weeks or so, that you know, if they're going to try to just ride the hot hand, get back into the race, try to make up some ground, maybe that's what has to be done. I think that with Piscotty – he's being asked to do more than he should be. And I think that puts some pressure on him. Stephen Biscotti is not a three hitter. Um, that's it's just plain and simple. He can be a five hitter, a two hitter. Maybe if you, if your lineup's good enough, he's a six hitter, but he's not a three hitter. He does not supply the power or the ability to bring guys in like a normal three hitter would. Now, I realize I'm not the host of the show, but I want to pose a question to you guys because this is it's kind of interesting to think about at this point. Given these three will be your starters, Tommy Pham, Dexter Fowler, and Stephen Piscotty, and Grendel Gritchick will be your four, who comes back and plays center field when Fowler is healthy? I think it's going to yeah, be Fowler. I think Fowler's yeah, the default. This guy's only played center field in the major leagues besides like one inning of right field in his rookie year, that's kind of like the standard answer. But I know the idea has been floated around that, you know, Tommy Venn's been playing a really good defensive center field. Fowler has had, you know, the issues with his, I think it's his ankle landed him on the disabled assist time. And then he had the, uh, the quad issue or something like that earlier. So if his legs aren't, you know, completely healthy, do you want that guy, you know, in center field covering the most range in your outfield? Um, Maybe he maybe he is on a rehab and they try him in the corner outfielders in the corner outfield spots, you know, on a rehab assignment and they can gauge, you know, how well can he play in the corners without having, you know, any major league experience there. Agreed. All right, Nathan, I'm gonna spin a similar question back to you. At some point here, Colton Wong will return. What does your given the, the recent Aledmas Diaz news, what does your ideal infield look like? once Colton Wong is back with the team? Um, well, we have a couple of weeks until then, so I think it all depends on whether or not Diaz is back, um, you know, when Colton Wong returns. I would say Jerko at third, Diaz at short, Wong at second, Carpenter at first, um, you know, with De Young getting, you know, a good look at shortstop, especially with Diaz in the minor leagues. Um, as far as roster is concerned, I think once Wong comes back, you have to consider um, Greg Garcia's, you know, place on this team because I think the young has done enough 
you know, that he can be a starter. You know, he's he's been a starter while Colton Wong is on the disabled list, but also when Wong was back for a few games, uh, DeYoung was a bat off the bench, and I'm, he's not a bad pinch hit option either. I don't think he has enough power that uh, he can fit that pinch hit role for you. So they're going to have to consider Greg Garcia's spot on this team. You know, he hasn't – he's he's been heralded as a really good pinch hitter, and um, he does put together good at-bats, but the results just haven't been there at the same rate um, this year as they've been in recent years. Josh, what say you about the infield? Uh, you know, the infield is tough at this point because I think to some – the Diaz move was a surprise. Uh, I think it was a bit of a surprise to me because I didn't think they'd actually do it. I didn't think they'd send it down because they don't have a great option at shortstop, and they don't have one close. I don't, I don't think that Mejia is the answer. I don't think Paul DeYoung is the answer at shortstop. And Elevis Diaz doesn't really have the range to be an everyday shortstop, so they're in trouble there. But until then – I'm really looking forward to Wong being back. When he's back, you slot him in at second base because this team is better when he is at second base. The stats do not lie there. Um, Matt Carpenter playing in first base. Uh, You go with Jerko over at third base. And until Diaz is back, I want to see DeYoung there because I want to know what this kid can do in a long-term starting spot he's getting his opportunity what he does with it is up to him and if that opens him up to a trade so be it we might need to do that to improve this team uh but i have to completely agree greg garcia seems to be the guy that might be on his way out because he's batting 202 um he doesn't play spectacular defense he's serviceable um but there's not a whole lot you can do with a guy batting 202. He's done a very I, good job in his small amount of time of taking walks. He does have a 326 OBP, which is really solid for a guy who's not really playing all that much. But I think Paul DeYoung needs to be the guy. The future's here and needs to stay. I agree about Garcia, man. It's just really tough to to try to get him playing time when you're talking about a team that's trying to figure out how to get the right combination of players on the field at the right time where – there's some bats we want to get in there. We're not sure where they should play. It doesn't really make sense to keep a, a utility guy that's playing less than stellar D and hitting barely above 200 around. So I would agree Garcia is probably the roster move that needs to be made. I, I want to talk about, though, what you propose, moving DeYoung to short. What happens if DeYoung's playing really, really well and Diaz is performing well down in Memphis? Do, I th- At this point, I'm getting a little fed up with Aledna's Diaz. Nate, I don't know what you think. I'm not opposed to the idea of having DeYoung play there for the rest of the year if, if he shows up, if he plays well. Yeah, well, I think Diaz had such a good rookie year that, um, you know, hitting 260, uh, not hitting for as much power this year, has been a disappointment. And fair, because he does have a really good tool set. We saw what he could do last year. Um, bat speed, exit velocity, it's all there for Diaz. Just hasn't been able to put it together this year. But for that reason, you know, it's only year number two. I don't think, you know, I would be ready to give up on him. Yes, if you're if you've got pedal to the metal at the end, you know, in the final months of this year in a in a playoff chase, you've got to go with who's going to give you the best chance to win. And if Diaz continues to struggle, 
and DeYoung is performing, then, yeah, I think it would make sense to give DeYoung the most playing time. But, you know, that being said, I don't think that would mean you should push Diaz out of your plans for the future necessarily. Um, I don't think, you know, even an extended stay in AAA, if DeYoung and Wong are, you know, giving a solid middle infield on both sides of the ball, an extended stay in AAA for Diaz wouldn't be the worst thing. I don't think there's too much of a rush to get him back up here. Um, you know, right now the Cardinals, without Colton Wong, do have a void at, at second base, and they're hoping DeYoung can fill that void at shortstop. Um, that might create a little bit of urgency to get Diaz back up. But if, you know, if the guys, you know, if Garcia, Mejia, DeYoung, in the absence of Wong and Diaz can perform well, that would perhaps take a little um, a little urgency, um, take, take away a little bit of urgency to get Diaz back up here right away. But um, like I said, uh, he's got – He's got a really good skill set. I think he's, you know, trying to adjust to pitching that has adjusted to him this season. Um, but I wouldn't be ready to give up on a Legends DS because I think he can still be the hitter that he was uh, for most of last season. Yeah, it's tough to give up on a guy like Diaz. Actually, the Cardinals' only all-star last year after he replaced Matt Carpenter on the active all-star roster. Guys, when we come back, I want to talk about the all-star game because we got – a different format this year. We got some stuff to figure out with these Cardinals players. Who's going to attend that game? Uh, We'll talk about it, but first let's take another quick break. Don't go anywhere because you are listening to the official podcast for Redbird Rants. And we're back and we're ready to talk about this 2017 all-star game. Guys, I mentioned last year, Aledmus Diaz was the lone Cardinal to represent uh, was the lone player to represent the Cardinals after replacing Matt Carpenter. Uh, this year, it looks like we could have something similar. A lot of Cardinals are underperforming right now. It's hard to peg any of them as all-stars. Josh, who do you think is going to go to this event this year? Carlos Martinez, final answer. Um, I don't think anyone else deserves it. I don't think anyone else gets voted in. I don't think anybody else uh, gets in for with the players. If there's an injury, I think the closest one's going to be Yachty. He has been remotely successful this year. Um, but it's Carlos Martinez who's definitely my pick, and I think he's the only only one that's going to be representing us this year, unfortunately. No, no love for Jed Jerko? You know, I think the problem for Jed Jerko is he is behind quite a few very solid third basemen, and he's also behind – a Chicago Cub who gets quite a few votes, even though he's not having a great year. True. That's a good point. Nathan, do you agree with Josh? Yeah, I think Carlos Martinez objectively is an all-star for the Cardinals. But after that, yeah, it's going to be a stretch to envision any other guys uh, representing the Cardinals in the all-star game. They just don't have really any superstars in their lineup or in their bullpen or in their starting rotation. Um, and that kind of has been part of their their downfall this year as far as their struggles are concerned. They don't really have that guy that they can lean on uh, in the offense. Yeah, Jericho has, has had a good season, and he's um, you know been their cleanup hitter when the Cardinals needed a cleanup hitter. Remember, Johnny Peralta was sitting cleanup in uh, week number one. Uh, so Jericho has filled that, uh, filled that void nicely. But Third base is a rich position in the National League. Nolan Arenado, uh, Chris Bryant, you know, they're the top two guys, I think, in the National League. Um, but as far as, you know, reserves go, you know, the coaches 
pick the reserves, but I, I don't see them, you know, picking Jerko because you're going to have already multiple third basemen uh, representing the National League. And, you know, Jerko's had a nice year for the Cardinals, but if you put his numbers up against, um, you know, guys having good offensive years across the board, you know, it doesn't really stand out too much. I agree. I was just doing the host thing. I don't want to sound dumb. You know, right. No, I got you. As a Cardinals fan, just, yeah, you know, Jericho's had a good year, but. I just pulled up the NL All-Star voting from Monday that was released. The Cardinals have one player in the top three at any position. Shocking, it's Yachty. Um, if they take three catchers, I could see him sneaking in there, but more than likely, I don't think it happens. And then when you look at third base, Chris Bryant's gonna gonna win the uh, the vote at third base unless Nolan Arenado makes a comeback, which is completely possible. But then you have to have Nolan Arenado on the roster because he's on his way to potentially being the NL MVP. And he's in a battle with Bryce Harper right now for that spot. And then behind that is Justin Turner, Anthony Rendon, and Jake Lamb. All tough guys to get past. Um, I think that Jerko potentially could – he arguably has the stats. I mean, he's batting right now 298 with 12 home runs. Um, those are solid, but they aren't pop right out at you at all-star numbers. Agreed. I just want all love to Jed Jerko at all times. What a man. <laughs> Let's talk about That's the rest of the <laughs> I'm starting to come around, man. If he keeps hitting bombs, I'm in. But let's talk about this, uh, the rest of this All-Star game, guys, because this is going to be the first year now in a long time that the All-Star game will not decide who, who has home field advantage in the World Series. I happen to love this decision. I never understood that caveat in the first place. Josh, are you thumbs up or thumbs down on this? I am 100% thumbs up on this. What a contrived idea this was. It was so, so dumb. How can you put such an important thing on a game that, for a while, guys were faking injuries to get out of? It's a really cool event. Fans seem to enjoy it. Maybe not as much as you would like them to, um, but it's definitely one of the more exciting all-star games. Um, But it doesn't need to have that that sort of uh, factor into it where if you if you don't win this, your team, if you make the World Series, you're going to have one less chance at home than the other team does. That, that was ridiculous from the beginning. I'm so glad they're getting rid of this. I, I think it's going to make things a lot more fun and a lot less intense because what does it say that it, for a team that if you're going to be in the World Series, what if you lose that because of somebody on the Phillies that got voted in and happened to lose it for you. That, that's terrible. Agreed. <laughs> Completely agreed. Nate, where are you well, at guys, with this decision, brother? Guys, I'm taking the opposite. I liked when the All-Star game determined home field advantage. And I do understand the argument that, you know, it doesn't have a direct connection to the World Series. And, you know, it's seeing like the Cubs that wins 103 games last season ends up, you know, being the visiting team, and that just doesn't make sense. But 
you know, for as Josh said, I completely agree. It is one of the most. It's probably the most exciting All Star game in you know American professional sports. But it, I think that had to do in part that it was the only All Star game that really had it, that anything was on the line that really meant anything. It was beyond entertainment because it was an actual game. You know, there was competition. Um, yeah, you could talk about some guys that you know weren't really playing 100, percent but. You know, I think there were guys that really wanted to win that, especially especially the guys on the teams that knew they'd be in contention for the World Series. And, you know, I, I, I liked watching the competition. And as far as, you know, as far as the team being disadvantaged because they don't have the home field in the World Series, the last three World Series winners have actually won the deciding game on the road. So, you know, it, it can be done. Yeah, you like winning in front of your home crowd, but you know when you're in the World Series, you're just winning. You're, you're there to win, no matter what, no matter where you're playing, no matter what happened in the All Star game. Um, you know, I'm sad. I'm a little bit sad to see it go. Uh, not the end of the world, obviously. I just liked that it had that meaning to it, and I also liked um, that in the middle of July, kind of you know, mid season of the regular season, you could already kind of think about the postseason and the World Series in that way because you knew that it would. Uh, it would be affecting that. I guess, man. I just, I don't think that any of the competitive nature of that game stemmed from um, the sort of consequentialist approach that the league took towards the game. I think it's just the game of baseball, right? Like in the NBA, you can't really fit, like you can throw cool dunks to each other, but if guys aren't playing defense, you can't hide that. In the NFL, I mean, I don't think there's like five people that watch the Pro Bowl, but, I mean, how can you fake a football? If the linemen aren't trying, you don't have a football game. I think baseball is a little different. Sure, you don't probably don't have guys. Guys are probably a little more wary of getting injured. Pitchers are probably more aware of their arms and more interested in their health than they are the results of the game. But I just think baseball is a harder game to fake. If you're going to go out there, you're going to play. And I think those guys just took pride in competing against the best. I don't, I don't really think it had anything to do with the, all, with the uh, World Series. I, I agree because, you know, when you watch like the NHL and the NBA All-Star game, it's all about putting up huge numbers. And that's exciting for a while, but then it's just kind of like, okay, sure, you guys can go dunk on each other. You can have slap shots where no one's paying attention and score. And, and the NFL is a complete and utter joke. The fact that they still play that is clearly a money grab. Beyond. Yeah. It's terrible. But – the MLB All-Star game is something that is very different. Like, when you look back at some of the great moments in that, like Torrey Hunter robbing Barry Bonds of a home run, that was awesome. You see, And you see some of these guys like Derek Jeter's last last All-Star game, and these these moments are exciting for fans. And they they seem to, no matter what happens each year, they're still – going to be exciting because you have the best players going out there and they're trying. And sometimes these games are what? Three to two, three to one low scoring games. But I'm excited because though it's not happening this year because he's injured. I love watching Mike Trout on the field against Bryce Harper and Manny Machado and Nolan Arenado. And I wish there was more Cardinals involved, but I want, I get love getting to see these young talented players go out and face each other when you really don't get to see that unless you're in the right year where you face the right division. Agreed. Guys, uh, or unless let's they talk face about... each other in the World Series. 
Right, but I mean, I just have a hard time believing that those guys are at the All Star Game genuinely thinking about the World Series. I honestly don't. Um, and if the I Cubs mean, were, yeah. shame on them for jinxing it. You know, 108 years, you don't get to think ahead. Right. Well, I mean, the Cubs at the All Star Break last year were World Series favorites, and they had like what seven guys starting. Um, yeah, I think true. it was in the back of their mind. <laughs> it might have been. It might have. What do you but guys, in terms of the whole weekend, in terms of All-Star Weekend as a whole, do you prefer the game itself or the home run derby? Josh, let's start with you, Doc. You know, I want to say the game, but if this home run derby could get the right guys into it, being that it's in Marlins Park, could be one of the most exciting home run derbies we've seen. That place is mm. huge, and there could be some real bombs. John Carlos Stanton being in it is awesome, but I'm if they can get in Aaron Judge in that and some other Ooh. boppers like I know they put in Miguel Sano today, but if they if they could turn in the home run derby into what everyone's always wanted the NBA dunk contest to be, it could honestly be more exciting for me. And this year, Chris Berman is not calling it, and I don't have to listen to back 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 back. <laughs> 150 times. So that might in and of itself be be why I want to watch it. Yeah, it's nice to not have to listen to someone slide into dementia live on air. If it's not good entertainment. Uh, Nathan, mouth breather over there. What do you think? Do you prefer the game itself or the home run derby? Um, I like the home run derby. Uh, the changes that they made to it in the past couple of years. Uh, with the timing and everything, it makes it more exciting uh, with the guys up against the clock and the strategy um, and all that. And, yeah, with today's power hitters, like, uh, I would love to see Aaron Judge in the Derby. Uh, Carlos Stanton, it sounds like he'll be in the Derby again this year in his home park. That'll be fun to watch. Um, it's just, it's really entertaining. You know, it's it's not something you ever see really in – I mean, it's completely different than a baseball game, obviously. Uh, something like the NBA dunk contest. I mean, you can see, you know, on fast breaks, um, you know, highlight reel dunks. But just pitchers serving up meatballs intentionally and just guys hitting bombs, you don't really see except for the home run derby. So that's what I really like about it. I agree. And uh, I have a suggestion for the home run derby. I think um, we should allow them to take steroids. I much preferred the home run derby when it was Mark McGuire smashing windshields in a parking lot at distances that human beings had no business reaching via baseball bats and baseballs. So, you know what? Bring back the steroids. I'm for it. <laughs> that would be, that would be something. Um, I, I don't know how they would probably have to start taking them now for them to really take full effect. So that might yeah. be a bit of an issue, but, but uh, you know, you know if what? They can, Quick, quick improvement. Can... How about this? We get we make Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa do steroids all year long, and we just run them out at age fifty plus. Now we're talking. I, that would that would definitely be be a sight to behold. Um, but you know, if they can put together, you know, an Aaron Judge, Cody Bellinger, John Carlo, Joey Gallo needs to be in the home run derby. I would turn it on just to watch Joey Gallo crush bombs mm. at Marlins Park. I think that if you if you gave me an option to go to the home run derby and Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and Joey Gallo were in it, I might have to take that over going to the All-Star game. 
it's interesting because not too long ago, this league was a league dominated by pitching, right? And you would have been hard-pressed to cut your top pitching list down to five. It would have been an, uh, an arduous task. All of a sudden, it looks like we got a league full of boppers again, and I'm kind of loving it. Yeah, it's really cool to see a pitcher throw 106 miles per hour, but it's hard to it's hard to pass up the absolute beauty that is a crushed ball out to center. Um, you know that I think the most exciting time for baseball, even though it's one of the most tainted, is right around uh, 1998 when you had all those guys crushing home runs. Um, baseball's I think baseball viewing kind of went down once that went away, but I think now you're seeing more athleticism and stronger guys that aren't aided by the help of HGH and steroids, hopefully, uh, that are really bringing this game back and making it a lot more exciting. There's only so much you can be excited about for pitching unless you're a diehard fan and you're getting to see a lot of movement on the ball and things like that. But the ability to just see to stand up and see a home run go, that's always exciting. Right, and guys that can throw 100 miles an hour are now actually pretty common. It seems like every team has a couple of those guys. Um, so having, you know, the return of power hitters uh, is a more exciting facet of the game, I think, for a lot of fans because they're just used to seeing uh, pitchers hitting triple digits, and a lot of them um, are successful. But some, but some of them, you know, if that fastball is flat, it can just get hit a mile by anybody. So, you know, a guy that can hit the ball 460 feet is more is more rare than a guy that can throw the ball 100 miles an hour. And that's one of the things I love so much about Aaron Judge, right? So much about baseball comes down to the detail, the strategy. Um, it's it's harder to just sit down and watch this game if, if you don't know it or if you're not emotionally invested in either two sides competing. Uh, Aaron Judge, it goes back to something like it's primal, you know, like the, the, the same feeling you get as a young kid watching baseball. It's a really big dude, and he just mashes. And at the end of the day, it's like, what's more entertaining than that? Yeah, it seems like you can hit, like, opposite field bombs without even getting, you know, barrel on the bat. It's really something to see. I'd like to see him and Giancarlo Stanton just stand side by side because we all know how big Stanton is, but Judge is even taller. Agreed. Agreed. All right, guys, about five minutes remaining here. Let's wrap, let's wrap this up with uh, some more Cardinals talk. We've seen a lot of fresh faces this year. I don't even know if I can list them all. The young, Voight. I'm just going to stop there. There's plenty. Uh, it's what the Cardinals do, right? A faceless army. They call guys up. They're ready to compete, and they produce right away. Is there any name still lingering in the minor leagues that you'd really like to see here in the second half of the season? Josh, we'll start with you. Carson Kelly. Um I think unless Carson Kelly's getting traded, I'd, I really want to see him uh, on this team. Eric Fryer is probably a nice guy, um, and he's been fairly serviceable, but I would like a little bit more than serviceable when it comes to our backup catcher going forward. Um, the kid is the future here, and I know we have Yachty locked up for a while, but let's let's give him a little bit more of an option to take some days off to prolong this career that he's signed through. Because if we can have Carson Kelly playing a couple of days a week, I think it's a lot more likely that we're going to see Yachty get rest instead of Eric Fryer playing once a week. Maybe we might see Carson Kelly two man on a good week, three times a week because Yachty needs time off. If he's going to make it throughout this contract. 
Yeah, I'm on board with Josh Nate. about Carson Kelly. Um, maybe some other guys. I'd like to see, you know, a few more of these outfielders perhaps um, because they do have an outfield glut in the minor leagues as far as guys that are top prospects, high-end prospects that could be in the major leagues. Uh, we all, we already saw McNair Sierra, but they've got Harrison Bader and then Adolis Garcia in AAA, who are both um, who both are top-end prospects in the organization. Um, I'd like to, you know, see those guys, see how they could hit major league pitching, um, see if they'd be able to stick, um, just how high is their ceiling, because no doubt, um, you know, maybe one or both of those names will be swirled around in trade talk come July. So we'll have to see if uh, if they make a major league debut before then, or, you know, if they get traded, how, how soon do they make the major league with another team? Josh, are you not yeah, worried do. about... Uh, about Carson Kelly losing valuable time as a starter if he's brought up? Um, I think that there's only so much a guy can do in AAA. Uh, I think that if you want to keep him down there, sure, but you have to think about long-term, how long are you going to keep him down there? Because Yachty is signed, got signed his contract extension. So are you going to keep Carson Kelly in AAA that entire time? Or are you going to have him actually helping the major league team? That's, that's an answer that the management's going to have to figure out because being a triple A, he does nothing for the big club and you can't keep him down here there the entire time. But I do want to say one more name and this is purely out of being selfish. And I don't think they should realistically do it because I think it would taint his ability to continue to grow. But Jack Flaherty would be pretty sweet to see up in St. Louis at some point this season. Mm. That's another good one. Nathan, are there any other names really quick you'd like to see? Yeah, well, they do have a lot of uh, pitching prospects. Um, here's a name of bullpen arm, Mark Montgomery. I know that we talked about bullpen help at the start of the episode, and I did mention his name in a piece. Uh, he has a similar um, – a similar he, he profiles similarly to John Brebbia, and, you know, we've seen Brebbia have success. Um, two guys like that pitching well in the Cardinals bullpen would help. Definitely, definitely. Well, I'm excited for the second half of the season. I'm excited for this 10-game home stretch. I want to know what, what this team's going to do. Are they buyers or are they sellers? I guess we'll find out. For now, thank you both for joining me. Thank, thank you all to our listeners at home for tuning in to another episode of this fine podcast, the official podcast for RedbirdRants.com, Fansided's blog dedicated to all things St. Louis Cardinals. Quick shout-outs to our co-editors, Dr. Michael Miles and uh, um, what's the other guy's that name? That other guy. Do you guys? He doesn't even, I can't even remember. Really. <laughs> I know. He just bugs us. He doesn't even write. Unimportant. Awful. Unimportant. So thank the you word. to Dr. Miles and unimportant. <laughs> Make sure you tune in again on Monday for the next episode of the Redbird Rants podcast. You can catch the uh, wrap-up article. Nathan's going to post it on our website for this podcast. And uh, check out the rest of our written content as well. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.
Okay, guys, you are off the air. Awesome. All right. Oh, I was waiting <laughs> to say something. I didn't want to be like, hello, right at the end of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I let it go a couple minutes. Uh, I mean, a couple seconds past the cutoff just to make sure it was really out. All right. Yeah. Well, well, I hope Tito well, was listening to the end there. Yeah, right. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. That was really good. I, I haven't seen if he's put anything up. So, I um, I one thing I'll do better next time, guys, is making sure I direct a question towards one of you instead of leaving it up in the air and and us speaking at the same time. No, I think you did fine. Uh, you, that's that's one of the things when we're not around each other, it's a little hard to uh, kind of figure that stuff out. I know it's happened before yeah. with me and Nathan. Our, uh, yeah, our brains uh, seem to fire at, like, the exact same time. <laughs> yeah, because it's always like, okay, I'll wait a second. Oh, wait, no one say anything? Okay, exactly. I got this, and then we both say exactly. something. Yeah, that's what seems to happen more often. Than that's not. I think it'll just be easier if I just direct it in the future. Sure, yeah. T- T- Tito said, I'll overlook the ending. Great show, though, guys. <laughs> nice. I'm... All right, guys, All right, I am, uh... good job. Yeah, good stuff yeah, as always, boys. Great. Stuff. Yep, I'll always get that. Awesome. Uh, I'll get that uh, recap piece up sometime tomorrow. All right, and I'll have the I'll have the link sent out either to you or I'll send it to Tito, so he can put it in the editing because I won't be editing it at all tomorrow, fellas. I will be doing the final day of the move, so we will be completely moved tomorrow. Oh man! All right. Congrats. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, thanks. We are finishing up everything here tonight at the old house, and first thing in the morning we'll be loading up, and then our movers come to take the heavy stuff. So it'll be a busy. The end of an era. Oh, it'll be nice to be somewhere. Yeah. All right, right, gentlemen. I'm going to sign off. Have a a great one. All right, see you guys. See ya.